Hey everyone, I'm Gracie and welcome to Grace of a Military Child podcast. The world should know how unique military children are. We may look like normal children on the outside, but we go through some pretty extraordinary circumstances that shape us to the leaders we are today. That is the sole purpose of this podcast, to share our stories to the world. Well, hi, Miss Antoine. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. How are you? I'm doing well, Gracie. I'm excited to be the first adult on here. Um, <laughs> and I'm excited that you asked me and invited me. So thank you so much. Yes. Well, you're not necessarily a military child yourself, but you work with them all the time. So what are those experiences like? So I am not a military child. Um, However, I'm a mom of a military child and I do work with military connected kids. Actually, the current position that I have is not directly um, linked with the military uh, students as I have had in the past. But um, man, have I had an amazing journey serving military connected kids. Um, I worked at Fort Sam ISD here in San Antonio for about two and a half years launching a program there called the Military Student Transition Consultant Program. It was like brand new, piloted. And so I um, kind of initiated the vision of MSEC, which is an acronym for Military Child Education Coalition. Um, take I basically took a grant that they were working on with the Bob Woodruff Foundation. I believe USAA was also a funder. And um, and I brought it to life essentially for that school district, for the population um, of the children of wounded warriors and those who were, you know, being serviced and cared for here at the hospital in San Antonio. Um, and then even really before then, though, I worked in one of the larger districts here that sat about maybe 10 miles away from the Air Force Base. So even in my role as a school counselor, our military population was well above uh, 50% active duty and probably 60 to 65% um, veterans. And so I just naturally uh, served that population without really even going after it with that intention. And then a few years later, um, I also did that same military student transition consultant position for Lackland Air Force Base uh, for their ISD rather. Um, and that was uh, maybe about two or three years ago. I was uh, running one of their programs for a year. So I've kind of, it's just been part of my journey. Like I weave it in and out of the different experiences I've had in education. So like I said, right now, the position that I have is not directly linked to military because I have been so well connected with the military population through um, serving as a school counselor and serving as an MSTC. And then just having a child of my own when I married into a military family. And so my son, uh, by the time he got to, I want to say second grade, all of a sudden we were a military family. And so experiencing those long stints of separation and um, yeah, that was just a journey. And we chose as a family to stay put because of my career while my husband finished his time in the Navy, but it still severely impacted so much um, of my son and and my stepdaughter and just the whole process. So uh, it's just kind of been part of what I do professionally and who I am personally. Yeah, that's really awesome. Do you think having, um, 
military children yourself, do you think that played a role in wanting to do what you have done? I definitely think so, because it gave me firsthand experience of what a lot of kids, at least the foundational elements of what a lot of kids have been going through. Um, I think every every child's journey is different in life, period. Um, so I don't want to completely make a summarization of, of like all military kids experience this, that and the other. But sure. um I think each journey is a little different, but it certainly gave me some some firsthand experience with just the culture of the military. What is what are those customs? What are things that typically happen? Um, what are common themes that happen so that when I sat in front of a family or if I sat with a group of students, I may have been doing a, a deployment group or whatever it was we were doing. I had a perspective that was very similar to what they were experiencing, or at least I had a lens of a parent to also say, wow, like this could be impacting them in this way. And so therefore, let me make sure that I'm approaching it, you know, appropriately. Yeah. And I think that's really important too, because you can't just step into a situation with military kids, not having any idea of Mm -hmm. what they could be going through because, you know, it's so weird having a parent not be there for an extended amount of time. And then you have to try and live through that as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It really is. Um, Yeah. I didn't even realize how much, like I said, my son was probably in about second grade, maybe even younger than that. After, as I really think about it, he was six. So that makes like first, (laughs) like, wait a minute. Second grade is not six. Yeah. First grade when, um, when my husband and I got together. And so, yeah, like it was very hard. In fact, my stepdaughter, who, I mean, my husband joined right when she was born. Um, To this day, she's 30 years old and she never wants to join the military, um, doesn't want anything to do with it because for her, she equates that experience with her dad being gone. That's Mm -hmm. it. That's all she knows is that for graduating, I mean, not graduation, but you know, those milestones of, you know, I have a, I have a basketball game. I'm, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I'm in a play and him just not being able to be there. And so um, I think I always say, I've seen it on both sides of the coin, right? We have some military kids that are super proud and they want to, you know, join and follow in the footsteps of their parent. And then you have some that just don't want anything to to do with it because it's just, you know, although there were great benefits for her, you know, the, her college was paid for and the ins- insurance. But when you're a kid, you're not thinking about that. You're like, my dad is not here and I was in this basketball tournament. And so just, again, experiencing that with my own kids and then walking in and, and, and helping students, I got it. I, I was like, I totally understand how you feel. Again, not to say that every kid is the same. And, and I didn't experience it myself, but I watched it from a lens of a parent and, and had a better understanding of it. So it made it a lot easier to, to support those kids. Yeah. And it's really tough. Like I saw the injury side of you know, the military. And that made me not want to join the military myself at all. Mm -hmm. But it's, it is those little things. There were first days of school that dad missed. There were last days of school parties, Mm -hmm. like, and those were hard. Those were Mm -hmm. hard moments. Like as a child, they were huge for me, but in reality, they were small moments, but that's what you remember. You don't remember like, oh, this was fun. You know, 
you remember, well, my dad wasn't there. My mom wasn't there. Mm -hmm. You remember those a lot more because they stick out. Yeah, they do. They do. So for that, it's, again, I think it's, I try to handle it with a sensitive lens, but at the same time, some kids are okay with it. So it's just like, you just have to kind of be open to whatever that child brings, right? And don't make Mm -hmm. those assumptions like, oh, you need help. Or it's like, no, some kids don't thrive with that type of response. They thrive more with, let's just do what we got to do, you know, and we'll just process it as we go. So you just have to cater it to the child. Yeah. And that's a really good point because not everyone handles it the same. Some people are totally okay with a parent not being there for months mm-hmm. or a year. And some people are like, okay, my life is over now because, right. you know, I don't have one of my parents here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. What kind of um, things did you do in the schools to help uh, children cope with? So um, I did a lot, a lot. <laughs> uh, I was like, where to even begin? Yes. So as a, um, when I first started working with military kids, I was a fairly new counselor. In fact, I trained um, at a middle school that was, like I said, probably one of the highest military populated schools in the district that I was in at that time. Um, so it was very quick. And like, I quickly realized, okay, there is a need here. We do have this huge population. How can, how can we do things to support this population? So, um, me and another counselor that I was, she was a veteran counselor that I was kind of learning under, we instantly started running, um, like, support groups for military connected kids. We got, and and really the support group, the first one that we launched was more like a welcoming group, like having a set of ambassadors at the school that will be helpful for these kids that were going to be coming in and out at all times of the school year, because we constantly got new registrations and the parent will walk in in uniform, sometimes not, but it was just something that we we were used to. It was part of the culture of that campus. And so we quickly realized, you know what, we need to have some type of ambassador program. And a lot of those types of programs exist at elementary schools, but the, up, the higher you get in grade levels, those types of things will dwindle away because it's like, well, they're older, you know, no one wants to have a buddy at the lunch table in middle right. school or high school, but we we still decided to go ahead and do it. And I thought that it was one of our best programs that we launched because it was designed to constantly make kids feel welcome and constantly make kids feel like they could be part of something. And so when we launched that, that was probably, I would say my first specific like military affiliated um program. And we, at that time, we did have a military brats club, which was something separate that one of our air force, it was a teacher, but I I believe she was also air force veteran. So she ran that group, uh, which was great because it was like, okay, we have, you know, there's two things happening here on campus designed for those kids. Uh, And then from there, I believe, I think I did a deployment group at that campus as well. Cause then it was like, at that time, deployments were still pretty, you know, they were happening pretty regularly. That was back in like 2004. And so I ran a deployment group there. And then when I left that district and went into Fort Sam ISD, 
they had no real plan for what I was supposed to do. Like they had a whole list. Imagine walking in and someone tells you, here are all the things we'd like for you to do. <laughs> and then saying like, okay, how do you want to do it? And I was just like, <laughs> okay. And that that's still my favorite job that I've ever had in my 20 some year career in education. And the reason I loved it so much was number one, they let me create it, right? It gave me a whole creative flexibility to say, here is a need. How do you think that we should, you know, do it? Number two, the district was small. So it gave me a chance to really get to know the families. And I had come from, like I said, the largest district in, in San Antonio, probably second or third largest district in, in Texas. So coming from such a massive school district into this itty bitty one elementary, one middle school, one high school, I was like, you know what? I actually can get to know people. People will get to know me. Like this is so huge. And so, um, and then I started like getting to go, I went over to the Fisher house and I was, I was all over that base. I was all for a person who, and I had never really been exposed to that base at all. When my husband was stationed in San Antonio, he was at Lapland. So that was the base that I knew. So mm-hmm. it was like being on a, on a, in a foreign country <laughs> foreign culture because I didn't know army culture at all. Yeah. But, um, but I always say that I spent a lot of time kissing babies and shaking hands at Lackland, like, I mean, not Lackland, at Fort Sam. I had to get to know people and I had to allow people to know me uh, because I knew what I could do. I knew that I could offer groups. I knew that I could offer support. I knew that I could offer parent nights and informational sessions. But what I quickly learned, especially about the culture of injured and wounded uh, families is that they come across sometimes as guarded because it's like, what is your motive? Why are you here? Are you really here to help and support me? Or at least that was the experience that I had. And so I needed for those families to know that I was there with a genuine motivation, right? With a serious intention. Even in meeting you, I remember your parents being like super reluctant. Like, who is this lady and why is she trying to help my kids? (laughs) um, And so I spent a lot of time just like building relationships so that people could understand that I was really there um, with a pure heart and just wanting to offer as much professional support that I could. And so when I got there, um, to get back around to your question, <laughs> um, I did run a lot of support groups for mainly, I, I really didn't focus on deployment. Um, I ran a group I called New Normal and New Normal was for, um, for kids who had parents who had come back different. Um, and had different situations happening. And so that group was for the elementary school. And then I did, it were a couple other groups I did that had different topics. I think by the time I launched my group at the middle school, um, it was a more general, like just, hey, military pride, let's kind of house it that way because I didn't want any student to feel you know, pointed out, isolated, oh, this is my situation. Because at that time, everybody's situations were a little bit different. Like I had kids who had parents, one that said a, a family that I helped. And I still, I remember the, the family, but I don't remember the exact kids. Whereas the brother was the active duty service member, but he was oh, so okay. young. He was so young that he wasn't married. And so his next of kin was his parents. Yeah. So his parents and his younger siblings were, were at Fort Sam. 
And so um, the kids, if they were just really literally tossed into this situation because they weren't military kids, they were just connected to their older brother who actually ended up passing away from his injuries. Um, And so I went to that funeral um, as just part of, I felt like I needed to do that um, as I was supporting that family. So just those types of supports, like sometimes it was scripted and like thought out like okay I'm gonna run this program I like I'm gonna have this parent night I'm gonna bring you know month of the military child we're gonna do it big we're gonna have um, newcomers camp like those types of things but then some of it was just in response to things that were happening yeah you know that was just how you know how that was part of what made the job so special and so unique yeah and I think all of that is super important. And even from a child who got to work with you's perspective, like those were some of my favorite memories that I have from Texas, like coming and, you know, hanging out with you and other kids and learning how to cope with what I was going through. And even in middle school, I didn't know what I was going through. I didn't know how to, um, I guess, process Mm -hmm. what was going on in my head and knowing that I wasn't alone through all of that was so important. And even my sister coming and, you know, being able to hear her thoughts like outside of the family and Mm -hmm. um, outside of the hospital even too. Yeah. That's so huge. And that means a lot to hear those cups. See, these are the moments that when you work in education, and you're just going to work every day. And then you're yeah. like, a few years later, like, oh, I did make a difference. <laughs> Y'all didn't think I was a crazy lady. <laughs> Not at all. No. <laughs> so that means a whole lot. That really does. Because again, the work, I think, and there's so many people that do great things, right? There's never, I I don't feel like there's just one person that makes a difference, but collectively, I think when we make those meaningful, um, those meaningful connections, they, they matter, right? And they show up and they surface in times of people's lives, sometimes when they need it the most. And so, that's why, again, I love my time there. Uh, It was, it was a, a tough, again, to initiate because I was starting something brand new, um, something that didn't exist. And again, like creating my own job, creating my own position and creating just the importance for why that why that grant was even written um, for the, that particular population. I remember remember uh, one part of the time that I was there, I would go over to, I think it was Operation Homefront um, Apartments, but I would go over there. And at that time, the students, uh, there was no school bus that would bring them to Fort Sam and they were pretty far away. Uh, And I couldn't understand, like I couldn't wrap my mind around everything that everybody was telling me about why there was no bus for these kids. And I'm like, but you're still not telling me why there's no bus. Like, I'm (laughs) like, because I'm like, okay, but there's still no bus. And so, you know, with just persistence, right? I just kept uh, asking those questions and gently like saying, I, you know, I don't think it's right. 
Um, I think that we need to look at a way to be able to do this. Let's problem solve. Long story short, those kids got them. It wasn't a bus. It was a van, but whatever, um, you know, and, and then having to get up that morning, I was like, oh, what did I get myself into? I had to be up there <laughs> at five in the morning to make sure I was like, parents, please get your kids to this bus. Like I fought for this bus for y'all. Um, but <laughs> see, like those moments. And sometimes um, you see those things happen in real time. And it's like, oh, what I was doing really paid off. And then yeah. you have moments like this, where it's like seven and a half years later, yes. then you have a student that says, you know, that really helped me. So I think that's the joy of, of what we do when we work with other people and work with kids. Yeah. And even those moments, like the bust, like you took such a burden off of those parents' shoulders yeah. by just getting them a bust. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't, it guarantee you, it didn't matter how early they had yeah. to get up to get their kids on that bus. Mm-hmm. It was the fact that somebody cared enough to right. say, hey, no, these kids need a bus. They deserve to have a bus just like everyone else does. Yeah. So we're going to get them a bus. And that's really what matters. The little differences. For sure. For sure. Well, it's, like I said, it's a very, that, that position and just the job in general, serving, serving kids is a very rewarding job. It really yeah, is. For sure. And I can see that just like, uh, me leaving Texas, that transition was made so much easier. And then my sister as well. Um, what kind of, I guess, tasks did you do with these kids in these meetings that to help them? So generally speaking, I mean, it, yeah, you you run it almost like, like I said, almost like a support group, but it's not yeah. clinical, right? It's not a therapy session, but it's really designed to, to create that common space. Um, and I think you said it earlier, like just not feeling like you're alone, yeah. right? To create those opportunities to share um, your struggles, your similarities, to share fun stuff. Um, and so generally speaking, in, in one of those groups, we would usually start off with some type of opening, um, you know, exercise where everybody's checking in. And I, I used to use these, um, I don't know if I use it with you guys, but there were these little emoji charts before emojis were a thing. But it, had, <laughs> uh, it had like a hundred emotions and they had all these faces. And so sometimes I would start off by asking students to like take a little dry erase, which they would love because then it was like, let me just color all over this sheet. But, you know, circle those emotions that you're bringing with you today and just kind of open up by talking about that. So any kind of opening where we're just checking in, you know, whether it was like, what's the weather like in your head today? Is it cloudy? Is it sunny? Is it raining? Is it foggy? And just kind of opening with that. Um, And then we would have some type of activity that we were going to do. It just really depended on the group, but some type of activity where we spent time talking. We may have done a craft with a lot of the younger grade levels. You tend to do a lot of art and and coloring and drawing um, and talking about that. And some groups, we may watch a clip of a video and then we would talk about what we watched in that video. Um, I used to use a lot of Trevor Romain stuff because I just love the animation, but but even his middle school stuff had some really good um, dialogue and subject matter where older kids could kind of get with it, even though it was 
cartoon. Uh, and so we would just kind of talk. We would talk through what was happening in that moment. And, and in some cases, it was a scripted curriculum that I kind of would jot down, like here is a progression of what I want to talk about. And then there were times where we would just get in there and kind of have a rapid fire or we would just play a game um, and talk through the, the use of a game. Uh, and then I was very big, even today, if I ran a group, I probably would do it because I'm just big on it, but I'm big on journaling. So at some point we would take out spirals and we would write. Um, and that to me is important because it gives you a timeline that you can reflect and say, look at how far I've come. Like, you know, I may have been super worried or super sad or really anxious about something when this first started, but, you know, six weeks later or eight weeks later, I'm doing much better. And then I love even the notion of pulling that out 10 years from now and saying, oh my goodness, I can't believe when I was in that group with Ms. Antoine, this is what I was writing about, right? So that was always an element that I included when I did my groups. And so that's generally that's kind of the structure of the group and we usually met for about six to eight weeks that was like the time frame um but yeah that was that was what we did in those do you remember any of those things <laughs> I do actually um I was talking about it with Kaylee today she's like oh. I don't ever remember meeting with Miss Antoine I was like no you did <laughs> and I, we both uh remembered making the uh cornstarch stress balls with the balloons yes. <laughs> we both remember doing that that is such um a, a memory that I have in my head that I will never oh, forget awesome. doing that <laughs> and then I mean just sitting in the middle school like I remember much more of the middle school than I yeah. do the elementary school yeah. just because I was older too uh-huh. but um yeah and journaling. I think y'all used to come at lunchtime yeah, we'd come and have lunch in there. Yeah. yeah, I remember so many of those and just being able to talk with the kids in there and, you know, relate to them and another level, especially because I think the one I was in had only injured kids in it uh-huh. with their parents were injured. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, just being able to connect with those kids on a different level and being able to share our stories and what we were going through. And of course, journaling that has stuck with me ever since. I wish I had many more of those journals because I don't have any of them. I (laughs) wish I did, but I know it'd be cool to go back and see, right? Yes. Even just like looking at backup papers that I have from school and, Mm -hmm. um, like essays I wrote and things like that, those are so important and so special because that's how I was feeling at the time. Like even if I was writing an essay on like the Civil War or something, you could tell in the tone that I was writing in uh, Mm -hmm. how it was feeling. Like, and that's so special for sure. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's definitely stuck. You've definitely (laughs) made a difference. I promise. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. That's really cool. Really, really cool. Yes. So how do you take what you do in the schools uh, with the military kids there and how do you transfer it home? Do you use some of the things you use in the school at home since you are a mom to military kids as well? 
You should ask my son that question. <laughs> the subject of all my so like activity. <laughs> um, yes, not always directly, but indirectly, yeah. a lot of it. Yes, I mean it. It just becomes part of who you are when you do it all the time. And and at that time, for sure, because he was, and he was a student. I mean, now he's probably about your age. Um, he's 21 now. And so he's away at college as well. But at that time, absolutely. Um, again, not exactly in the same way, like, oh, let's sit down and do this or that. But there were a lot of things that I would interject into just our regular family time, because I knew it worked. And yeah. so why not? You know, like we would do things like I'd say, OK, everybody write down three different topics um, that you want to talk about. And we're going to put it in a jar. And at dinner, we're going to pull them out the jar and we're going to talk like the average parent doesn't really do those kinds of things. <laughs> when, you, when your parent does like groups and let's play a game, you know, those are the types of things that I felt were important. Um, be, for just the development of, you know, him as a person and just getting accustomed to being able to talk through things. Um, you know, the, this generation of, you know, 20 somethings and under really even 30 somethings. That's one thing that I feel like is really, really a, a weaker, um, you know, it's just something that I think that, that, that can be better about um, yeah. the, the generation of, you know, millennials and Gen Z's is that connection and really working through what you're feeling and not just holding on to it, not just going into, um, you know, I'm just going to check into the digital world and not really address it, but like, let's address it. And so I absolutely would bring um, different things home. But like I said, I would package it differently. So he didn't necessarily feel like it. And even then he said, you know, I'm, to him, I'm mom and I was always mom. So it was like the things that I wanted to give him, he didn't think they worked. But if it was somebody at school or, you know, <laughs> someone else and they like, oh, yeah, mom, and I'm like, and I always tell the joke is even now, like, what do you think they pay me for? And he's like, I know, I know. So yeah, <laughs> I, I do share some of the same things and I, I use them because why not? Like if, I, yeah. if I'm going to do it with someone else's child, why wouldn't I do it with my own? Yeah. And that just, you know, makes sense to, to be able to carry I mean, not doing a full-on support group at home with right, like right. a one-on-one -on -one session, yeah. but, you know, having those times where it creates a stronger bond too uh, between, you know, mom and son and, you know, having those moments that, you know, who knows, you could have learned something that you could have taken into the classroom at that time too. For sure. For sure. I remember going to conferences in D.C., the MSET conference, and sitting through trainings and hearing things and and wearing both hats. I mean, I think we wear multiple hats all the time. But, you know, my wearing the hat of I'm here for work and I'm here to get information for supporting students. But you can't turn off the hat of, man, that's really good information. My, you know, I could take this home and actually apply it to you know, supporting my child and, and the friends of, because that was the other thing, all of pre pretty much everybody he was friends with their parents were military or yeah. retired. So I definitely feel that a lot of phone calls, um, <laughs> a lot, like, oh my God, Camilla, what's go? you know, I would get phone calls all the time. 
um, from friend, you know, parent friends who had questions about whether, especially school related, um, credits transferring, how to get sure. things, how to find things, what is what's allowed and what's not. Um, so yeah, you, I mean, you just that expertise is not confined to oh, only between eight and four am I going to use this set of knowledge. It, it literally becomes part of your life. Yeah. And I mean, even now after I've been through, you know, sessions with you and having the transitions and feeding through all of that and even outside of the military, like, you know, my own school and figuring all that out and it doesn't turn off. It does not turn off. Like people... I'll get texts from people, even non-military, and they're like, how do you do this? Like, what do you do? Like, I need your help. And I'm like, okay, like, you know, that's what I think it's so important to have an advocate Mm -hmm. to a military child or even any child in general, just to be able to say, okay, here's everything I'm going through. Can you put it into words to say, okay, this is, you know, what you need to do. This is how you need to help yourself. Definitely. That's cool. Yeah, you built up a toolkit that you didn't even know you had. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And it's sometimes it's like, really, like, why did I have to do this? Like, why is everyone (laughs) coming to me? But it's so special to be able to have those connections with people. And um, you help people. And in all, helping people is so much more rewarding than anything else you could ever imagine. Absolutely. Yep. You're right about that. (laughs) So one last question for you. What advice do you have for a military child who might be struggling? I would say um, that you're not alone. Um, There are so many and and you're not, you may be struggling and have a, a unique struggle or unique situation or a unique circumstance but you are certainly not alone. There are other military kids, there are just other kids in general that have some of the same common themes and the same common concerns and the same struggles and issues. And so my biggest suggestion is to get connected. Um, Get connected with someone, some way, whether it's through your family, through school, Um, through a friend, through sports, um, extracurriculars, get into the arts, like find something, find something that keeps you grounded so that you have something that is a constant in your life. Even if you play a sport and you've got to change that, you know, team, even if you, you know, um, you're an an artist and you have a new art teacher or or whatever, or you always do art with your mom and now she's gone or whatever, just find that constant and allow that to be um, something that really nurtures a a side or a a time in your life where it's tough. Because at the end of the day, you know, 
things always change. Like, like nothing ever stays the same. That was something my grandmother would always tell me. She's like, whether it's good or bad, nothing ever stays the same. So if you're going through hardship, if you're going through a struggle, know that it will get better. But in order for it to get better, you have to actively engage in trying to work at getting it better um, and being willing to talk, being willing to, or get it out through journaling, find an outlet. Um, there's just, there's, I feel like for kids who struggle, for people who struggle, there's no, there's no one way to get on the right track, right? There's no one way to fix it, but through a combination of support, having an outlet, finding something to to really pull you in, a, a combination of things will be what turns the page to allow you to see that, you know what, this is not forever. My parent will get come home, my parent, and, and maybe sometimes the parent is home, but maybe that parent came back different working through that, right? And understanding that this is the situation that we're in. How can I support my parents to make them better? How can they support me? And how can we build a new relationship with new memories and new new things and really holding on to the things that are, are the good and really working through the things that are tough? Because I wish I could say that life will be easy and that it will, um, you know, instantly get better. And it doesn't always. Sometimes it takes years and years to heal um, situations. But having those constants, having those supports and just really approaching it from so many different angles is what makes the difference, I feel, for a lot of kids that struggle um, in particular uh, as military kids. So, um, I hope that makes sense. I hope it didn't seem like I was rambling, but really, like said, there's, there's not one one right answer. You know no, what I mean? Like, not. there isn't. And it just depends on the person and it depends on the level of support because that person may say, well, no one in my family is there. Well, then that's when you, you know, see who you're tapping into at school. Who's that one teacher? Who's that one counselor, that one coach um, that, that kind of looks out for you and, and checks on you and asks you, are you okay? And doesn't just take yeah, I'm good for like as a, a good enough response. Who is that person for you? Like identifying who that person is and really um, just when they ask you if you're okay and you're not, just say, I'm not and see what they say. Like if they say, I'm not okay, or you say, I'm not okay. And they, you know, think twice or they want to sit with you, then that's your person, right? And so figuring out who that might be for you. Yeah, I think that's really important. And just having someone where you can talk to and someone who can understand you is something that everyone should have military or not. And mm -hmm. having ways to get what you're feeling inside out. And whether that's talking directly one-on-one -on -one or journaling. Yeah. Like those are so important to have. They are. They are. the out. Like I said, that outlet, like you just yes. said, it's, it's huge. And for everybody, it looks different. You know, journaling, writing poetry, writing music, art, mm -hmm. dancing. There's just so many things now that allow us to be creatively free, yes, um, able sure. to express ourselves in a way that um, that allows us not to carry things, not to carry burdens and carry too much weight. Like you're not intended to walk through the world carrying the weight on your own. You're intended to share that weight with others. And so just just recognizing that. And when you're young, it's hard. But yeah, like, or at least maybe find a mentor. Find a Gracie. Find a Gracie. <laughs> like, she'll hook you up. You need somebody who's yes. maybe come, come, up, come to the other side of it. Yes. They've been through it. So yeah, for sure. 
Yes, I think that's great. So thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing your experiences and advice. Thank you. It's been so awesome. I, I'm, yeah, you made my day. You made my, <laughs> you made my month by just having me and hearing from you and seeing you and just, man, you really have made my day. And I, I just, I'm so blessed and grateful that I've been part of your journey. Um, and so everything that you're doing, you're, you're literally planting seeds for another generation of kids who may be going through what you went through or maybe worse or maybe not as bad, but what you're doing is huge. And I don't even know if you realize um, the, the, what you, what you're doing. And so I just want you to know to keep doing it. um, And to know that this, these are moments and opportunities that not only are your parents proud, but people that have watched you grow are proud to have said, Hey, I was part of that. And I've got to see it firsthand. Like, I feel like I'm with a celebrity right now (laughs) uh, talking to you. So Yes, you're doing an amazing job, though, seriously. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And, you know, it's been a journey and it's not over yet and it's not going to be over for a while. So and that's okay. It's a it's a it's a roller coaster ride. It is. Take it for sure. Yes. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for tuning into the Grace of a Military Child podcast. For more inspiring stories like these, be sure to review, like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. You can also find us on at Grace of a Military Child podcast on Instagram, and be sure to check out our YouTube page. If you are or know of a military child who would like to be featured on an episode of this podcast, DM us on Instagram. Be sure to tune in next week when we hear another inspiring story. Until then.